I make the argument in my book, you should, why try to arrive safely at death? You should want to arrive all used up. That's my theory. Oh, I like that. I like yeah. that. What is happening, everyone? Welcome back to your favorite podcast, the Gordon Podcast. I'm Justin Haley, and I have on Jeff Unbreakable Black. His new book is about to drop. I hope I don't butcher the title. I believe it was From Brittle to Unbreakable. And inside, we are going to talk about how you can go from brittle to unbreakable, defy your odds. And we share so many tools and some incredible storytelling inside as well. I know for a fact you guys are going to love this podcast. So with that being said, make sure leave us a five-star rating comment on YouTube, subscribe on YouTube, and share us with your friends. Tag us, myself, at Jay Mahaley, and at Jeff Unbreakable Black for Jeff. Are you guys ready for this when it's really intense? I'll see you inside. Jeff Black on the Grow or Die podcast. Dude, what is up? What's up with the Tennessee Vols hat, first of all? Oh, come on, oh, man. God. We're going to begin the conversation like that? Yeah, dude. They, saw they what have my it, did. They, I'm calling it right they now. They had a 26-year-old quarterback. It doesn't matter. He was 25. You oh, just watch your mouth. 25. Watch your mouth. Hey, you Ohio mouth. State, I'm coming back. I got I got two Who years of eligibility. Who do you guys even play? It doesn't matter. Oh, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Oh, it doesn't on. matter. We lose to Michigan now, apparently. That's a new that's a new thing that I'm experiencing in my life. As a 30-year-old man, I now know what it feels like to lose to Michigan. It took a long time. Um, does Tennessee even have any rivals? Does anyone care about them? Oh, come Wow. Wow. Yeah. Man, it's Tennessee, Alabama, Tennessee. I mean, it's the whole, it's all the SEC. I'll tell you what, you're, you're down in Austin, right? I am. You guys are about to get a taste of it I next am. year when you come into the SEC. It's going to be a wild shit show party for hey. Oklahoma and Texas. Hey, listen. It's going to be great. Listen, I don't want UT to be too good. I want them to be good enough for the city of Austin to be like really fun. But if they're too good, Ohio State's going to stop coming down here and taking all the recruits. So like, I, I want them to be, like like nine and three is a great place for UT to stay. Let's just let's max out at that. <laughs> I, 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 you're probably not a local fan favorite there for I'm saying not. that with how Austin. Is. I'm not. I'll walk around with the horns down, bro. I'll walk around oh. horns down all day, bro. <laughs> oh, wow. Jeff, you have been thirty three percent of the Excellence Cartel podcast, which um, fortunately and unfortunately just had its final episode air. Fortunately, due to the fact that you, uh, Jason Theobald, who has been on the podcast a few times, Jeff Sue, who I want to get on the podcast, you guys are busy men. There's busy ventures. You guys have done it for four years. Talk a little bit about that, man. You guys really impacted a lot of people over that time. And I listened to 80 or 90% of those episodes. So it really had a profound impact on me. And I want to, I want to express my gratitude for what you guys did there. Well, thank you for that, man. You know, um, when I kind of had the idea in the summer of 2019, um, to, to do something with those two guys, with Jason and Jeff, uh, it was just to kind of just talk about the business side. And then we realized like, well, shit, we actually know this functional stuff. Yeah. Why don't we talk about it? Cause we're doing some cool things in the trenches and it just kind of evolved from there. And over the last four years, it's been a great ride for the three of us. Um, Jason's new ethics has popped off. Advanced vitality has popped off. 
Um, him and I are both on Boom America. So Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank um, is doing a show called Boom America. So Jason and those guys are on it with New Ethics and Advanced Vitality. And I'm on it for my book that comes out later this year. They're going to help me come uh, help me with a best-selling author uh, approach, apparently. That is from incredible. That I had no idea, bro. Congratulations yeah. on that. Well, thank you. Thank you. And then Jeff with First Call Fitness, you know, he's really made such an impact in the community of the business space yeah. that isn't sleazy. Yeah. And, you know, I think us going through the Excellence Cartel, we kind of found things we liked. And with me writing that book all last year, which was probably the most, that was my PhD in life and yeah. myself yeah. Um, was writing that book. And I kind of came out on the other side of it and they had grown on it. And we just kind of said, hey, this is really good now. Yeah. Or yeah. it turns into something that we don't respect. Let's hit pause. Absolutely. Things. So we're still going to do the Physique Education Collective where we'd still love to have you come speak and I'm there, mingle bro. and stuff like that, you know, yep. and still travel and do stuff in Austin at your yep. gym and just kind of, we all want to do that. But as far as the weekly recording, we just wanted to pursue other creative means. Like yep. I'm actually going to be doing a podcast starting in August. It's going awesome. to be coaching and everything. But I really wanted to get like more into stuff. Like I talk about in my book, like psychedelics, depression, um, self-harm. Uh, I want to be able to talk about, you know, different protocols I've used in bodybuilding and it just kind of, that's where the creative thing went to, man. So first and foremost, I want to say anything that you men are a part of, it would be an absolute honor for myself to be a part of as well. Um, you're writing a book, you've written a book. The, is, is, the book is complete at this point. It is completed and I'm about mm, 50% of the way through the editing when yeah. it turns over. Um, if Walt Whitman's listening, no pressure to you, but one of the photos you're going to be taking me at Master Nationals in a few weeks, hopefully we'll land in that book. So no pressure. Um, <laughs> but um, other than that, dude, it's buttoned up. It's looking to come out the sometime fall this year. And, you know, um, I've had a lot of people read it. Uh, well, not a lot of people, a couple who are just like, holy shit, because it's uh, it's life. It's not pretty. Yeah. It's not bow tied up and I'm very, very transparent. I don't, yeah. I didn't give a shit if you love me or hated me reading the book. Yeah. I wanted to know you had an honest look at someone's life that wasn't glossed up because social media said it was, and that's what I wanted to write. And that's what I came away with. That's beautiful about you. We're going to get into some stuff that I know about you from afar, from what you've shared with me. Um, you've shared with the excellence cartel community and you share with your Instagram community. Um, before we get into some of that, and I'm, I'm assuming a lot of, uh, the stories in your book, a lot of what you discuss in there is pertaining to some of the items that we'll talk about. So I want you to promote throughout this podcast, anywhere you see fit, because that's why I have you guys on. I only have people I believe in on this podcast. And you're obviously one of those individuals. You brought up something that's a passion of mine, but I do believe you're more educated in it than I am. I would love to chat about psychedelics quickly. I would love okay. to chat about the profound effect it had on um, you, the effect that it had on my anxiousness. Um, I wouldn't say I've ever been depressed as an adult. I definitely had, I, I think we all go through some depression episodes in college and high school and the preteen years and things like that. Um, but anxiety was a big deal for me using psilocybin to be able to work through and better understand and better calm myself. I would love to hear what was your first exposure? Why did you want to dive into it? How have these things helped you with your mental health? 
Oh man. So um, this is like uh, a whole chapter in my book I wrote about um, that was probably the one that the editor said was the most sauciest because it was the most transparent. But yeah. um, I, when I, I was born with a brittle bone disease known as osteogenesis imperfecta. And when I was born, I was born breached. So the doctor used forceps to pull me out, which fractured both my femurs. Okay. So my parents did not know that my femurs were fractured because this is 1980. So what do you do when you change a diaper? You pick a baby up by his legs. Oh no. So I would scream. So the first six weeks of my life, I wasn't held. So like uh, throughout my whole life, foreign touch was weird to me. Girls kissed me. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not gay. But I mean, a guy could kiss me. It would have done nothing different. Yeah. Um, I just wasn't used to being touched because I didn't get that with my mom. I didn't get that with my sister. I didn't get that with my dad. Um, go down a hill on a skateboard, end up having to have 10 plus surgeries to walk again. Um, there was an instance where um, they had to do a radical turn on my leg and stretch it. And I kept complaining about the pain and they just piled people on top of me. And then they broke my leg, my tibula and fibula, um, when I had that bone structure. And then, you know, I recovered that. And then a few weeks later, my very first step, my leg broke. So I kind of had this like, fuck it. I don't like life. I hate it approach. And I just need to get through it. And when I stumbled on bodybuilding after being bullied as a freshman, it just gave me all the gas. However, not one lick of thing was ever done for my mental health. Yep. So I get to my twenties and, you know, as a man, you know, what it's like when you get to your twenties, you start becoming more aware of other things than pussy yep. and other things than just, you know, being cool and things like that. And I was realizing I wasn't sleeping. I had these dis detachments. I've been through a marriage. that just didn't end good. I just, and it was all because of me, things I couldn't sort out mentally mm -hmm. went on all the drugs, had a suicide attempt in my early thirties got through all that, did the journaling, did all the, you know, Paxil drugs, all that shit again. And it just, it creeped back in like mm -hmm. depression and anxiety. It's like the shadow must have, it's almost like as slow as grave moss, mm -hmm. but once it's there, it's there mm -hmm. and it's rooted and you got to like, kind of like peel it back. So um, in my mid thirties, uh, I just won full custody of my youngest son and I was very depressed and I was very anxious and I just had this listlessness return and I stumbled upon a book uh, in 2017 called Stealing Fire. And it was with Stephen Kotler. And if you uh, have never read a book, Justin, I would tell you right now to go buy that book and read it. It's all about accessing flow. Okay. So they were talking about in the studies, they were giving Google engineers microdoses of LSD and they were giving them problems that they couldn't solve before. And they were coming back, solving the problems. I looked a lot of what my depression and anxiety was, was problems I couldn't solve, that I couldn't work my way through. So I started microdosing before I ever did macrodosing. I was very heavily into microdosing for years, but what I think is I had a better approach with it than maybe the macrodosing because, you know, this is a great conversation we had, but the macrodosing like shatters some people. Like some people just walk away from that. They're like all fucked up. But I think from where I did the microdosing, your ego allowed me to, it, your ego kind of like slowly dissolves from the microdosing and just things were slowly better. And I was doing eight weeks on eight weeks off, like a bodybuilding cycle. <laughs> and, stuff. and um, what made you I do tried, that, Jeff? What made me do that? The eight weeks on eight weeks off. I just kind of felt like by the usual around six to eight weeks, like I would notice my mood was up. I would notice I'd feel better. I noticed my focus return. Um, you, some of that book was written microdosing, um, just because you could focus so much on it's very natural Adderall. And then usually after eight weeks, I kind of felt like mm, I'm gonna try it again. It wasn't like anything said to do that. When I talked to Paul Austin, who, um, 
he wrote the third wave, which is a whole book talking about microdosing the ways you could do it. Like psilocybin, most people do five days on, two days off. LSD is two days a week. I think LSD works better microdosing one to two days a week. Okay. And the shrooms is more daily. LSD is more creative, more energy. Mushrooms is more working through issues. But I started like combining these things. And then one day I decided to do a macro four gram trip of mushrooms and kind of saw the other side a little bit. Yeah. The and, uh, you know, I got to smoke peyote. Um, I've smoked the MT. I've How tried it all. The peyote one was really wild because yeah. that was like your spiritual journey. Yeah. So like coming out of it, I felt very reborn. Uh, it was very spiritual to me. It's it's like hard to put into words because I don't understand uh, that stuff very well because of just why I was, uh, you know, not given as a child. But when I did MDMA two years ago, um, I can actually, because of MDMA, sit with a person and they can actually touch me and hold me and it doesn't creep me out anymore. So these drugs offer some real substantial healing. But I think the problem is we as a society have to define what trauma is and what uses the illicit just because you're sad and just because life's kicked in the balls a few times lately or punted you down the road doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, I need to go do a do a thing of shrooms and go find my other way. Shrooms to me and those things were, I was genuinely lost, Justin, with the idea. I didn't want to live anymore. I just didn't want to live. I was just like, all right, I'll just keep existing until one day it's black. And I didn't feel like that was a way to kind of be, even though I had a good heart and I love doing the things I do. Your mind is a powerful tool. Mine was wired more towards leave than be here. Wow. That is absolutely fascinating. Jeff, I first appreciate you sharing that. See, this is why I wanted to have you on. This is exactly why I wanted to have you on. You were just existing. You were just walking through life. I'm assuming it felt numb. I'm assuming mm-hmm. things felt bleak. What were you? Yeah. What? What what were you getting dopamine from at that time when you were just really sad, depressed? Was training fun? Was food fun? Was women fun? Or did it all just kind of feel monotonous? It all felt monotonous, you know? And it wasn't really until my mid-30s that I understood some of that energy hmm. that I would distract myself with. I could put towards business. I could put it towards self-development. I'm not some guy that's going to look at you and say, oh, in my 20s, I had it figured out. No, I spent my 20s coloring outside the lines so much that I created problems that allowed me to face those problems to be able to come better for them. And I think that that's where most people go wrong. They feel shame for their problems, guilt over things they've done or said. And I don't have any of those. I look at that. That's the transgressions of me going through life, learning to get better. And, um, you know, so for dopamine and things like that, it was just more like, okay, well, this is just, is what it is. I mean, don't get me wrong, man. I had those moments. Like I'd see my kid do something or my kids and I'd be like, oh, that's cool. Or da, 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 da. But there wasn't anything that kept me thriving. And I think that that's the issue we don't talk about in life. There's living and then there's thriving. And I wasn't really kind of up for doing either. It's the entire essence of the Grow and I podcast is yeah. you're literally either growing towards something in your life or you're slowly withering away. You know, it's very interesting. Um, by the time this episode gets dropped, I have a vlog um, with with Kelly Igo, who's my longest tenured assistant coach. We've been together almost six years now. Um, and she was just down in Austin. You know, we had a speaking engagement over the weekend and whatnot. And I mentioned in the vlog, so I hope most of you have seen this. If you have not, make sure to go check that out. I think you'll have some fun laughs out of that. It's a day in the life. Um, first ever one I recorded. I mentioned... I'm changing 
the scope of Grow or Die podcast. Because really? the most common compliment that I get in terms of the comparison is you have the best bodybuilding podcast. I, I don't, I don't, I'm more than that now. I'm much more. When I see, that's where I got with Excellence Cartel. Yeah. That's exactly where I got with Excellence Cartel. This is like you and me on the same page. This is a creative outlet to us. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be able to talk about a bourbon. I want to be able to talk about football. I want to be able to talk about a fucking lion running through a zoo mm-hmm. if I feel like it. Yep. I get it. Yeah. No, respect it. I don't feel unbelievably aligned with bodybuilding um, as uh, in terms of when I started this podcast um, in March of 2020, um, that's all my life was Jeff. That's all I had. My romantic relationships were failing. My social relationships were not good. My professional relationships were less than I just, I had bodybuilding clients and they won shows and that carried me over to the next week and you want a show and then you lost a show and now you're anxious. Now you're really upset that all you have to rely on is these things that are, <laughs> here's the reality in bodybuilding. It's all outside your control. You can control what you can control, but you can't control who's showing up who's winning, who's working harder. As long as you're working your hardest, that's all you have to give. And, you know, it's, I, I'm taking on more lifestyle athletes than ever, less competitors than ever, because that's just kind of how things have flowed And the competitors I'm taking on for me to prep you. Wow. You better be really good. Cause that's a lot of energy. That's a lot of energy. And I don't want to be a high volume prep coach anymore. I want my ah. podcast to follow suit. So yeah. this is where we're trying to get to. People, so can I ask you a question? Go real ahead. Quick? Go ahead. With, with the competitors, yeah. Do you find that in today's world, because I found this, that social media disturbs or dilutes mm-hmm. the ability for the competitors to really find the coaches they work best with because of the messaging that they're wanting to hear most. Meaning, I've had clients want to work with me, but they didn't like my messaging was stronger, but yet I wasn't saying the sexy shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Do you find that that's what? Because lifestyle people, I've always talked about this in the podcast. If you help Mrs. Jones drop twenty pounds, she'll forever tell you every person she knows you dropped twenty pounds. Mm-hmm. But with a competitor, you're only as good as their last check-in. Mm-hmm. You're only as good as their last placing. You're only as good as the last time you didn't ignore them because yeah. they pestered you to death. So is that what kind of made you start shifting? The, just the the appreciation for those who see who you're becoming versus those who just still want to hold you in this one statue mold of what you are. I definitely believe that that's a large part of it. But if I'm going to be really transparent and honest without saying names, there were two athletes that I just went above and beyond for. I, I, I helped turn them into absolute animals, Olympia qualified type people, um, or in contention to be Olympia qualified. I took the shirt off my back every single day for him. I invested my time, my money, my, my entire soul into them. I lost romantic relationships over these people. And at the end of the day, they both just fucked me so bad that after the last one, I was just, I I became very numb to it and dull. And I was sitting there on, 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 on a flight recently. And I was like, some, these motherfuckers can't even afford to pay me my rate. These people can't, they come in and they can't even afford some fucking clombuterol. 
What? In why the, the fuck are they in the sport? What am I? I'm I'm asking why I'm in the sport. What am I doing? I, it, it's like I want to go drag race. And I'm showing up with a Chevy truck. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'm like I I believe in my abilities and my talent and what my people get. Yeah. And I'm like some of these people are paying me like three hundred fifty dollars a month. No way. <laughs> no way. Like so, I I just I. There's some different avenues I would love to chat with you about when we're off air here, but you're going to see me doing a lot more public speaking appearances and, and things of the like, um, as I, I've started getting paid gigs there and they're all, the feedback has been phenomenal and I feel very at home there, but irregardless, what you're saying right now and what we're about to get into and the next question I have for you, I'm very excited about Jeff, people are going through the life living the way that you were living and you identified it and you did something about it and you took this book and you read this book and you obtained tools from this resource that you had to make a change. The tools might be psychedelics for you. Psychedelics was part of it for me. It might not be that way for everybody. Jeff, if you're in a dark place right now, you're listening to the Grow Die podcast, hearing our wrangly ass voices over the mic. What the hell do you do? Where the hell do you start? Where do you, you turn really to? have to ask me that? Where do you like, turn to? I, I, you know, and I can speak from this. I talked about this. Um, I was raised red. I was raised Catholic. So yeah. I felt like I was kind of going against God when I did psychedelics from like I felt almost embarrassed and ashamed that I was like, oh my God, like I can't believe I'm doing a schedule one drug. Mm-hmm. But I legitimately had nowhere else to turn. I didn't want to talk because here's this big thing. In 2020, everybody created because of COVID the dumping. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to text Justin all my problems mm-hmm. and Justin's going to have to absorb that. And then tomorrow I'm going to text Justin all my problems. And we created this little cycle now. And when you kind of, that cycle gets you to a dark place. So mm-hmm. when you're in this dark place and you're listening to this, I have, all I can say is you have to be able to look yourself in the mirror and hate what you look, see looking back at you enough to be able to elicit change. It doesn't matter more than that. You could tell yourself you're going to fucking do it. You can wish yourself you're going to do it. Shit. You could drop to your knees and pray. I've done that too. Mm-hmm. But you know what it really took? It really looked me, look, took looking in my eyes really kind of decide, despising certain aspects, not in a way that was unhealthy, but in a way of like, dude, man, it's time we let some of this shit go. Like I was telling someone like in my book, um, when I wasn't in pain, I resorted to cutting. And that is the thing that a lot of men tend to do. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Like this is something that like one of my buddies, we went out to lunch and after he read that chapter, he's like, man, I gotta tell you, I, I do the same thing. Uh, it was to replicate some feeling of pain, the pain's always going to be there. And I had this conversation with someone the other day who's a coach in our industry who was a cutter too. And he was telling me about it. I said, whenever those memories invade you, those moments of guilt, those moments of shame, those moments of darkness, those things that hold you to that moment, that space that say you are stuck here in this abyss, you have to ask yourself why you're thinking that. And you have to start sorting through your mind. Does this serve me? Is this something I'm meant to think about for some reason while I'm in right now? Or is this just my mind trying to keep control of me and try to hold me here? See, our mind will always hold us into that place Mm -hmm. that's comfortable. And for some of us, once you get dark, it's pretty comfortable. You have to agree with that. Don't you agree? Just like once you're flying high, it gets pretty comfortable (laughs) until you get Icarus wings and burn and fall to the ground. And then you have to restart. But I tell everybody, it's really that battle with your mind. And it really comes down to looking yourself in the mirror and talking to yourself every day in a way that you respect, in a way that gets you to go out there and be like, hey, 
I'm not going to bat it every day, 100%, but as long as I'm getting up trying, it's better than what I was doing before. And that's kind of how I hold myself to it. Jeff, what does the word resilience, when I say resilience, what does that mean to you? Trample the white flag. Trample the white flag. You just keep showing up. You just keep going. You just never surrender, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I wrote about that on my IG. I think you even commented on that. Um, yeah. In January, I met my third hip surgeon who was like, you know, because of my bone disease, you have arthritis, your hip, you need a whole new hip and you got spinal theliosis in your back and you probably need a spine surgery. Go see the spine surgeon. The guy's like, Hey, we'll do the surgery tomorrow. I'm like, what the fuck? And I didn't believe any of it. I didn't believe any of it be true. And this wasn't any shit that I was making up. I just felt like they weren't listening. And then two weeks ago, I crossed the bodybuilding stage. Yeah. And two doctors told me that would never happen. And I refuse every, indeed, I'll be honest, working through these injuries have tested me at 42. Yeah. It's not easy. Like if it's 32, you know, it takes a BPC, a little TB, a little yeah. extra GH, you go yeah. to sleep and you recover. They ain't like that. Like I got to go to PT. I got to do art. I've got to do chiropractic. I've got to do decompression table, but I was able to prove to my, cause I needed to prove it to myself. And if I could prove it to myself, then I can look to other people and be like, why is a legally disabled person able to do these things and you can't like i had i've had it twice in my life had to learn how to walk again and people don't realize how helpless you are till you have to have someone come and bring you a bedpan to shit in it and a lot of people don't even understand what their life is like like that like me dude bodybuilding has never like i'll never go pro because of my leg difference i'm cool with that Mm -hmm. but you know what i can do i can make those competitors who are on stage with me respect me because i showed up conditioned as fuck and make them look fat standing next to me and that's why i love competing it's an outlet at nine years old, you were told by doctors, I'm assuming, that you're going to be in a wheelchair or have to use crutches. Well, first, 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 why why did they say that? And then I want to know, nine-year-old Jeff Black, what do you remember about that conversation? So that was because when I, I had the skateboard accident where I shattered my right leg my knee was turned inward to the pavement. My right ankle was turned outward and my femur was shattered in five places. Um, so they rotted that leg, put a steel rod down that femur. The left leg was still was two inches shorter. So they said, Oh, well, shit, that bone's weak. We'll rod that leg. Well, my leg grew still. So there was this inch difference between the two legs. So they decided to do that Elizabeth rod bone structure machine. Okay. So for 12 weeks, my leg, if you see the big halos that people wear on their head when they get like a neck surgery, okay. I had that on my leg and I had over, I think it was 18 spokes going through it and it kept my leg chronically broken for 12 weeks. So I wore that. That was where they broke my leg during the radical turn. A few weeks later, I took my first step, the leg broke. And that's when they told me you're made of glass, get used to wheelchairs or crutches. Cause you're not gonna be able to walk on your own, on your own body weight. I remember being like, ah. I'm going to be back down behind that home plate yeah. playing catcher next. You don't know shit. Cause I was diehard into baseball yeah. um, growing up. So that's really, I wrote about it and it was funny because Steven Pressfield, who's helped me with the book in terms of meeting with every month, mentoring me along the way um, was like, really, it was just simple as that. I was like, yeah, I just remember being nine. Like, no, I'm going to be back playing baseball. <laughs> like I had no understanding that this disability was permanent. So for me, it was just kind of like, nope, I'm just going to do it. And I think that mentality kind of just stuck with me because, dude, once you break your leg with your first step, what are you going to do? You're going to fear taking another step. You're going to fear squatting down, taking a shit on the toilet. You're going to fear all these things. Nah, I learned to develop the skill of fearlessness. And I think that that's a skill most people don't even even bother investing. They spend too much time just 
filling up their water full of fear that they can't even understand what it's like to drink a cup of fearlessness for one day. Why the hell? Why are people scared? I think people are scared because people, well, failures, it's embarrassing, right? Like you failed in business. It sucks when you make bad decisions. Sucks. And I think that there's, <laughs> I think there's this natural thing to it, but I, I don't, and it, I think it kind of begins in schools, man. Rather, like in sports, you're taught to fail. Mm -hmm. If you didn't really play sports, that's why I think people who play sports and do things like that have some advantages when they go out and they're in the workplaces and things like that, because they're taught certain things that other people just are not. Mm -hmm. And that's my take on it. I mean, people avoid failure because they don't like pain. Any Anything that makes people just feel less than, they tend to just avoid like the plague. It's like the diet. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be hungry. Okay. Gym pop people, but you know what? You're going to get your diabetes under control. Okay. You know, and then you kind of chip at it. So I think it's a little bit of that. I think just people failure. Isn't there something that you think can be taken from the way that children and, you know, more so speaking about nine-year-old Jeff Black respond to things like adversity? You, the doctor was like, you're never going to walk again or, you know, wheelchair, whatever it might be. And you were like, all right, like, can't wait to play baseball. There's some sort of beauty behind that ignorance because I believe that we just identify as so many things and we put ourselves in these containers and compartments and then we lock it from the outside and we throw away the key like I am disabled. I am made of glass. I am never going to be able to live a normal life because of this brittle bone disease. I am brittle bone disease. People just put themselves in this container and it's almost like we overthink this to a point of like Jeff, you 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 said, well, what are you going to do? Scared to be scared to take the next step after you take your first and you break your leg? Yeah, people literally are, and it makes no sense to me. It makes no sense whatsoever. The human body, the human brain, is meant to be pushed and pushed beyond pain thresholds, knowledge thresholds, physical limitations. What in the world is going on where, where these people are just putting themselves in this box, but a kid can just be like, okay, I'm ready to play catcher. What can we learn from that? What can we apply from this? Do you think people should maybe act a little bit more haphazardly, <laughs> maybe a little I bit do. more ignorant? I make the argument in my book, you should, why try to arrive safely at death? You should want to arrive all used up. That's my theory. Oh, I like that. I like yeah. that. When you reach the end of your road, years and years and years and years from now, it's you're you're, you're 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 not even halfway through yet. You're not going to have a single. Oh man, you know, I wish I, or what if no. I? Uh, I? I got I. I've talked about this before. I training people in person like you've done gives you a certain luxury. You get to train older people. Yeah, and the older the number one thing everyone who's old has is regrets. And I swore to myself that I would die with as few of those as possible. And I want to be able to look back and be like, well, it wasn't perfect, but you know, like I gave it a good damn run and at least yeah. I did it my way. Yeah. And that's the problem people don't do. They just, they want to do it everyone else's way. Yeah. In case point, I think you could agree to this. Everyone goes to this point. You do what your parents say, you do what your friends say, you start doing this shit. Some people get stuck there. They like it. It works. Some of us are like caged little animals and it doesn't work. And the moment you do what you want to do, and I think that that's where some of my depression and anxiety was. 
And I think that psychedelics helped me realize like, you know what, fuck this, this is who you are. Like I had women telling me, family telling me uh, how you look at things, you're negative, you're, you're the chip on your shoulder. You shouldn't be fueled, motivated like that. I'm like, well, fuck you. You can't deny the results. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, and if I'm not using it in a way that brings harm to other people, what do you give a shit? You should love me enough because I'm open to tell you these things. Absolutely. And I think that that is where, you know, I tell everybody like, Hey man, if you're going to go through this life, just live it your way because you know what? Everyone's got opinion for everything. So just do what you could get peace with most. Your opinion. Um, can somebody be truly happy if they're not constantly pushing themselves in some sort of capacity? And what I'm alluding to is you made the comment, they do what their parents say, what their friends say, but they're never actually doing what they want to do because they don't even know how to assess that. Mm, I think life is full of these moments where it's very fast and then full of moments where it's very long and boring. You know, um, and I think for most people, um, what I mean by the whole, when you're, you're living like what other people say, most people do that. Like they just, they, they're not their authentic selves. And I'm like, why don't you just be your goddamn authentic self and just go live and be free? What do you got to lose? Like, I have a question for you. When was the last time you weren't your authentic self and how did you feel about it? Oh, not you get imposter syndrome real fast exactly and really what's the, one fast. Thing, most, what's the number one thing that every coach who's ever coached under you every person you've ever mentored every person you've ever led anything like that what's the number one thing that everyone suffers from i would say the number one thing everyone suffers from is trying to be justin mahaley and not trying to be themselves imposter syndrome yeah That's another way of saying it you're trying yeah. to be something you're not yeah yeah Imposters just words you move but, in and out. It's dichotomous in this way. But but I I I feel like we're set up to be that way through, you know, in school there's cliques and there's the cool clothes and there's the cool kids and there's and like I mean you're th- you're in third grade stressing about why they have the new Hollister and you're rocking air apostle. And <laughs> you know, like you're learning from that age, or you know, the new Netflix dropped and you weren't allowed to watch it yet. You know, you're in sixth grade or something or who got a cell phone first or who like our, our entire lives were, were built to fit in and were built to follow the trends that were never really quite built to, to step outside that box. The kids that do step out the side, but they're weird. They're outcasts. They don't have any friends. They don't. I feel like that. I feel like you were the outcast. You were that rebel. Weren't you? You were the Dude, fucking I- leader of the rebels. I played Dungeons and Dragons from age seven all the way through 21. And I am not ashamed to admit that. So I was that rebel kid. I remember being the only one into bodybuilding in high school. I remember all that weird shit. You're right. But you know, what's funny. What happens when you become in your thirties and forties as a male and you're weird and you're kind of an outcast, you're successful. Yeah. You look, right? you know what I mean? Like legitimately for men, it goes the other way. It's crazy to me. Like in teenage years, twenties, you're like, Oh yeah, we're bros. Yeah. And if you break away from that shit and you're around your thirties, you're, you can usually find success. I agree. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of fun to be a little quirky. It's kind of fun to be a little bit weird. I, I, I know myself like you, um, 
I, I just approach life way different. I, I approach it in a very interesting way. Um, uh, define that because yeah. I'd be curious to see if we're all on the same way is, is do you approach life as in the, whatever it's giving me, I just go down this path and don't question it. No, I am just- completely forging my own fucking way. Like everyone's like trying to get here and I'm like, where the fuck is Justin going? What is his brain doing? And why is he doing it that way? But I think you said it perfectly. Hey, how's the results? <laughs> House of results. Check the scoreboard. Things look good. (laughs) The score is the ugly thing we don't talk about because we as society don't like to identify winners and losers. But at the end of the day, the score helps us understand whether we're progressing or losing. And that's the way I look at it. I love identifying. Many ways to keep scores. Yeah. Many, many ways to find it. Um, Are you motivated? Uh, Andy Fussell talks about this. Are you more of a hate to lose mentality or more of a love to win? Because I'm a hate to lose. Like it chaps me and tears me apart. Like winning to me is a byproduct of showing up every day. But losing, that's just something I can't fucking stand. Yeah. Losing is not an, that's not an acceptable action for me. I understand that there's going to be ebbs and flows. I understand there's going to be ups and downs. Mm -hmm. I understand that in some format of the scoreboard, you are going to have to lose in some capacity. But that being said, number one, I'm going to fight so fucking hard to make sure that I don't. And number two, if I do, I am going to be able to instantly reframe it to something that's not a loss whatsoever. Something that's going to, for instance, I lost, you know, my last show in November and I hadn't lost since 2017. I had a pretty nice overall win streak going. Um, I lost in November and immediately thereafter, I was rather shattered. I saw the way that I trained and I have operated in bodybuilding since that performance. And man, it is just reinvigorating to me, to be honest. That was probably the best thing that's happened to me at any point. It definitely changed me as a man. It changed me as a leader. It changed me as a bodybuilder. It changed me the way that I show up for myself and for others. Um, and it, it, to be honest, man, it made me fall in love with bodybuilding more than I ever have uh, before. So it's like, I love winning, but I'm not motivated by this vision that I have of this fame and celebrity. I love staving. I love pushing losing as far away from me as it possibly can. It can't be around me. It can't be in my circle. It can't be in my thoughts. It can't be anywhere near me. So when you started getting better at winning and the losing stopped as much, was your personal circle of five going through overhauls over and over and over and over and over? over (laughs) Massive, massive. And a lot of those people talk really poorly about me. And it's really funny because number one, at this point, like I've been around for quite a while. You and I've been, we've been around for a while. Mm -hmm. I've had like some sort of name or whatever for about eight years now. And there's been so many people that have said so many negative things, but now any like people are like, I, I mean, he keeps showing up. He keeps producing. He has people around him who fucking love him and he loves. So like, I kind of think you're the outcast, not him. I used to be real worried about the social view of me. And now I just believe whether it's ignorantly or it's accurate. I just believe everyone has a really positive connotation and vibe with me. And I, I guess I hope that to be true to an extent. Do you know how I started framing this? Because I kind of went through that a little bit when I, I went would through love my to circles. Hear. Yeah. Unless you are a man or woman enough to sit down and say that shit to my face, 
It's all your people on an IG live on your channel. Yeah. It don't fucking exist. Don't exist. <laughs> and that's how I look at it. And I tell everybody when they'll send me shit, I'm like, that's nice. I'm yeah. like, when that person can sit me down. Yeah have that conversation and yeah. feel my energy yeah. and I can feel theirs, then that, then that's when it's reality yeah. until then fuck off. Your words are meaningless. Just like your actions. Jeff, how and many, I told the, people that. how many of those people have actually sat, sat down with you? Zero. Zero for me as well. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. For, yeah. I've, no, I, I've extended it. an invite yeah. to everybody. Yeah. It's one of those yeah. like, Hey, let's have a conversation <laughs> and see how it goes. And you know how many people take that? No. no, because here's the deal. When, when you're put on, when someone goes on the offense you better hope you get that fucking touchdown because mm. if you don't and I stop you at the one yard line, I'm ramming your ass straight back Ram. through the other fucking end zone. Yep. And that, and people know that. And yep. that's how you kind of, that's why, like I tell everybody when people go to social media and whip out these things about people, I'm always like, and then I don't see those people respond. I'm like, Oh, well, they're not responding because their character. Yep. And that's how I look at it. Social media is the ultimate test of one's character. If yep. you're always a pussy on it, guess what? You probably are in real life. A pussy. Twat. Yep. I've yeah. never responded to a single thing. Not a single word has ever come out of my mouth to anything that's ever been said about me. It's quite fascinating. I actually have, I have a very interesting podcast guest coming on extremely soon where some of this is going to be talked about, but can I do like mean tweets with you. Can like I come to Austin and just me and you film and I'll just read you the mean things Let's said go. to you Let's go. and then you could do it back to Let's me go. and then we can just see where our reactions Let's are. Go. Let's go. I would love that. Some that of the shit that's been shit. said about me, I'm like, where was I when I apparently did that because I wasn't there. That didn't I'll be like, happen. Was cocaine involved? In yeah. Okay, that's probably true. Woo! Um, if it was after 11 p.m. and I was out on Sixth Street, none of it matters. None of it counts. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't real. That wasn't Justin. You're damn right. It was Geronimo. <laughs> <laughs> oh my uh, God. So Jeff, back to back to a little bit of your upbringing. At a young age, I'm assuming you had a very unique perspective on like goal setting, having some sort of vision. I mean, you shared with us that you're like, all right, I'm gonna go be playing catcher. You've been practicing some sort of manifestation or visualization for quite some time. What are some tools that you use? And I think psychedelics have probably changed this answer over the last 10 years that they've been a part of your life. What are some tools that you use to curate this vision where you have this manifestation and then actually make steps towards working to identify the current problems you have that aren't aligned with those things and then thereafter fixing those problems? How do you work through problem solving? How do you work through personal growth? Mm. You know, I'll be honest with you, man. I get up every morning by 3.30. I do 45 minutes, 60 minutes cardio, and I always make sure I put a good book into my mind. Um, that's the first thing I do. Um, the second thing is I journal. I think until the words come out of your brain and go to paper, they will always confuse you and betray you. And I think when people start journaling, you get, and here's the thing, everyone will be like, oh, well, I can't journal. I'm like, well, guess what? You couldn't diet either when you first tried it. So maybe you should try it a little bit more than like three fucking times. Yep. You know what I mean? But when you can start writing those words out, that's where I kind of like started understanding the manifestation and then just kind of thinking about it. I remember when they told me I never walk again, I was like, ah, I think I'm going to walk into high school my freshman year. And I did. And then yep. I was like, holy shit. And then I found, you know, bodybuilding. And then I was like, I think I'm going to be a bodybuilder. And then 
2000, you know, 10 years after finding it, I end up getting on stage like, holy shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. And I think it's just kind of like, for me, it's identifying things that motivate you, identifying things that you're naturally curious about, and then being able to sort through that as you're, as you're seeing it. And what I mean by that is like, is this something I really want to do? Because like in business, everybody will tell you to scale. Scale, 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 scale. Hire 70 coaches underneath you, get 40 gyms and 18 TRT clinics. And I'm like, no, I think I just like two gyms maybe. And, you know, you kind of start working towards that. But I always tell everybody, just start writing, just start thinking about it. What you start, what kind of like, I don't know. I explained this to both my kids not long ago. Energy is energy. And the thoughts that you have about yourself of negativity and why things won't go your way. It's the same energy you could put towards why things can go your way and making things happen to you. And we, as people don't really understand that because no one sits us down and has that conversation. Like my parents never sat me down. It's like, Jeff, you have energy every day. And you can put it towards good shit or you can put it towards bad shit. Yeah. And, and you know, and you kind of all mad because you, you go towards the pack of your friends. So if your yeah. pack of your friends say it's negative, you kind of go that way. And I think a lot of it, man, is just understanding your output. And then most importantly, what are your inputs? And it's got to be, they've got to always be good to kind of keep you visually thinking about more. And I think creativity should be embraced more. I mean, the more weird it gets, the better to me in all honesty, because in business, this is my view, bro. You don't know till you try. And that actually holds true in every aspect of life. It does. You don't know till you try. It does. 3.30 AM wait time. Mm -hmm. I love that. Why up so early? Uh, because no one else is fucking up. So I get peace and quiet and don't feel like I have to serve anybody but myself. Do you journal right away? No, I get up. I do my, um, my usual bodybuilding, uh, cocktail of injections. Yeah. And then I uh, get my coffee and go in the garage. Uh, I usually got some, do my bike. I read, and then I get my infrared sauna for 10 minutes. I stretch. And then, uh, going into work is usually when I journal with voice notes and then I go back and write later. How's that infrared sauna? Oh, game changer, bro. Okay. Just sell me on it. Oh, I, I'll be honest with you. The amount of just how my body feels, you know how you get like those aches and pains and just getting warm. Yeah, dude, I've got uh, like 15 of them right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I think from anything from that, but what I really like about it is they've been shown to help with mitochondrial repair, which is, yep. you know, the powerhouse of your cell. Mm-hmm. And as you get older, you know, I use NAD plus to help mitochondria. So I just feel like it's one extra thing. And dude, it's 2,500 bucks to sit in your garage. Yep. Yep. You're going to spend $200 a month at a, at a membership place and only use it twice a week. I can use it anytime I want. And I think for the detoxification effects, I also think it helps with burning visceral fat from what some of the studies have shown. I think if you're a male, anyone like that, I think just today's world with detoxification issues, hell, you know, from the functional medicine side, the air we breathe, the food we consume, everything's pretty much out to poison and kill us. If you're sweating, I think you're helping yourself out a lot. And that's why I encourage most people when they work out, I'm like, you want to sweat. Sweating is a good thing. Let's you know you're healthy. (laughs) Everyone has an opinion. On this is the healthiest thing you can do for your body. I'm going to give you mine and I won't be able to be moved off this mountain. No matter what research comes out, what doctor says, what nothing. If you sweat every single day, that is the healthiest thing you can do for your body. If you're a, I don't disagree. If I don't disagree, that means you're working. 
Uh huh. I, I think that there's a thing your body's got to go through all that, the turning yeah. over the cells. Yeah. I think we're meant, we're a lot more like a, uh, like engineered machine than what we want to believe. Oh believe God. It. Why do people think people hate that? What the fuck do you mean? We are, th we are the most perfect machine that's ever been exactly. created. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But people want to believe it's more of, you know, and that's where the religion and all that stuff starts splitting the hairs. But at the end of the day, if you just step back and you just look at it, we're a hell of a machine. And the way you take care of your machine decides how it runs. Taking care of your machine, the NAD plus, like you mentioned, the TB 500. I think those are two things that, you know, really we can all benefit from. I know Amino Asylum mm -hmm. has a great nasal spray. They're also a supporter and a um, sponsor of the podcast. So if you're not currently using Asylum. those, yeah, if you're not currently using those, make sure to head over, use code Mahalia at checkout, the NAD plus, the TB 500. Um, they have some amazing nasal sprays. Jeff. Um, and the injectable carnitine, you want that because yep. that's what transports the fat cells to the mitochondria so if you're helping the mitochondria heal guess what you want the l-carnitine to deliver so i love the injectable l-carnitine let me give you my one caveat with it is for men men suck it the fuck up and inject it for man women have some injection pain with it and i it really life's it, almost better yeah it's really difficult so i have them using the new ethics liposomal carnitine mm -hmm. with their pre-training meal um something that i've been using from amino asylum as well Jeff is the um, acetyl C max. Have you ever Ooh, used that? I'm gonna try that. Oh one. my god! The the Ooh. neurological effects are immediate. I would say so. I'm using methylene blue. I posted on my Instagram oh, yesterday. Ah. Yeah, let's go. I posted Swallow on my Smurfs, Instagram. Baby. Um, I'm off Adderall, and we're on day 58, so I'm at 60 days in. Congratulations, man! I'm yeah. super fucking proud of you for doing that because yeah. I personally know from people I've worked with, one of my close buddies. You had a hell of a time, man. So kudos to you for being brave enough to come off that, man. That's badass. I really appreciate that. I came off when I was the most busy I've ever been at any point in my life. It's time to do it. Yeah. Sort it out. Bucket. Dude, I that's exactly what my thought was. I stopped cold turkey. I never fucking took it again. I threw it all away. I literally threw all of my Adderall in the trash. And if you guys know what that feels like, it is... Oh, I, I get emotional thinking about it. It's just... I, 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 I have... I felt... There was times that I was operating in my day, Jeff. I'm dog. I'm two. I, at the time, I'm 262 pounds. Now I'm 276, and I'm popping this fucking Adderall. And I'm like, dude, I like Jeff. Something didn't feel right. There was things not feeling right. I was like, dude, like, am I okay? There was times I had to like, I would be doing things, and I had to like sit down and pay very close attention to my body about like, am I good? Is something happening with my heart uh -huh. right now? Like it was a bad situation, and I was like, you know what? I I understand this methyl and blue. I understand Cmax enough. I understand dopamine troughs enough that I'm going to set this. I, 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 I regret to call it what I'm about to call it, but I'm going to set this HD, ADHD busting routine from supplements, from my daily life. And at the end of the day, Jeff, I've got five fucking companies I got to show up for. I have X amount of clients I have to show up for, and these are non-negotiables. So no matter what supplements I'm taking, these things have to get done. So mm -hmm. How much is the Adderall really doing for me anyways? It's just making me feel jolted while I'm working, right? I agree with you 100%. So 
I try the C-Max, try the C-Max where I do five sprays in the morning. I do all my sprays like right upon waking. I'm just like, <laughs> I just start sniffing. Um, it is amazing mental clarity, especially alongside the methylene blue. I get that from Amino Asylum as well. I would highly recommend the NAD+, the TB500 for inflammatory response, and the C-Max. So now I will stop pimping our sponsors and get back on track. <laughs> I will say this, though, and I'd be curious about one thing. When yeah. I did the TB500, yeah. I found that five milligrams was the sweet spot every week. Yeah. Really just holding down the inflammation. Yeah. But this shit about people doing talking BPC at 250 micrograms twice a day. Bullshit. Yeah. Throw that thing to one milligram twice a day, and that yeah. really does what you need it to do. Was that yeah. what you kind of noticed too? Yeah, dude. It's not like like what's the down effect of those the downstream effect of taking a little bit too much of things that cut down inflammation that can help repair your gut. <laughs> I mean exactly. Fuck. I mean fuck Especially me. If you take dude. NSAIDs, right? You yeah. Know what I mean, and you're trying yeah. to fix some of that. I'll be um I have a client for a former client, but um I helped her prep for a show and we use BPC the whole way through to manage her ulcerative colitis. Yeah. And and it'll do fascinating. Did you do oral or injectable? We need the injection. I think injection yeah. is superior to the oral, in my opinion. Yeah, I haven't seen much from the oral that makes me think otherwise. So the injection is good. And Amino Asylum has really good BPC-157, in my opinion. They say the oral does better for periodontal disease as well. Not familiar. But I don't know. Yeah, where your gums erode. Um, they actually show BPC helps you yeah. heal your gum lining. Very interesting shit. It's really cool stuff. But hopefully no one who's listening to this has that happening because that sounds absolutely miserable. That uh, sounds terrible. Yeah. I'm, assu- I'm um, assuming vaping would lead to a little bit of that down the road, but <laughs> it is actually, um, I actually suffer from it because of my bone disease. So the bone in my jaw yeah. or jaw lines thin. So it causes my gums to recede. So when I put the BPC in, uh, I went one time for a checkup. Doctor goes, man, it's the first time your gums ain't ever bled in like the last couple of years. And I was like, hey. Weird. And I went home and started, I was like, what did I do differently? I went looking at the TV, didn't bring anything up, but sure as shit in the BPC research, there was something about it helped reverse periodontal disease. I'm like, well, all right. That is absolutely <laughs> fascinating. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Weird shit. Yeah. Weird well, shit. that's very good to know. So let me ask you about journaling. And the reason I bring this up, um, I have uh, a, um, Someone who used to be extremely, extremely close to me in my life, who um, we've recently reconnected, and she was telling me about how she had been journaling and some of the powers uh, that it's kind of given her over her mental cognition, over the way she shows up for herself, over the way her brain processes and organizes um, the information that it's taken in. You are another high achiever as well. You're journaling. You're cutting out time for that every day. You're saying you're taking voice notes on your phone first. You write it down later. What's that process like when you get started for the first time? This is for me. And I I hope the listeners who don't currently journal are going to follow along with this. I haven't started because I opened the paper and I'm like, what do I write? Oh, man, I'll be honest with you. Come what comes to your heart. And you know what helps clear that in the beginning? Smoke a little pot. Okay. Or Uh, just get really relaxed. Maybe do some breath work. Yeah. Something, because most people, when they sit down, they're already like, all right, I got to sit down. Okay, I got to do that. And I noticed that when I started writing my book, I I literally calendared out 10 hours a week to write this book. And I would sit there for the first week, two-ish. I was like, holy shit, I'm so tense. 
that I'd be like, peck, 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 where normally I'm like ripping words. Mm. And then I started smoking a little bit. And then I was like, eh, I don't really always want to do that. And then I started doing the breath work. And then I started kind of pairing the two in my journaling. But here's the thing. When you go to journal, it is a lot like just writing a book. You don't always have the idea. You just got to trust that once you start going with it, something's going to come. So I often tell people, if you're at a loss, just write about how your last day was. Just write about the day before. Yesterday, oh. da, 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 and then you're able to kind of start thinking and it moves. And dude, I could show you my journal. And this is where people don't, this is why I said thoughts betray you until you write them out. When you read most people's journals, if you read mine, it's the most scatterbrained shit yeah. half the time. That makes me feel better. Dumping. It's just you dumping. But the problem is what, here's the point I say, everybody looks for that journal to be this beautiful piece of work that Ernest Hemingway would be like, you know, I won't kill myself now after reading that. Yeah. And yeah. It's not going to be that it's meant for you to dump so you can get clarity in your head and get sorted, which is why your friend was telling you, yeah, my, I'm, I'm able to be more proficient. I'm able to be more executive. I'm able to think more. I'm able to vision more all these things because those thoughts got decluttered. And even if they're random on the paper, they're still out of your head. The randomness left your head. And that is the point of journaling, in my opinion. Jeff, do you go back and often read previous journal entries? Uh, yes. And then once I got done with this book, as I typed it and turned it in, I burned them all. Okay. Why is that? I just didn't need to be reminded about what I have. I had a book to remind me of everything that was over those years that collected that. And yeah. I have those now. It was just kind of like, I don't see the purpose of going back and torturing myself when yep. I know those memories are. And that's the point of journaling. The point of journaling is to get rid of it in the moment, not to go back and be like, God, I was real fucking shithead to that person. You yeah, know? of course. You feel bad about it. And then I don't want to feel bad. Like I already know about the sinner that I was, you know, and yeah. we all sin. We all do these things. And, and it, the point of life is to just say you're trying to, or not say, but do better, not say you're doing better. And journaling is just saying you're doing better. Mm -hmm. And I know if I were to go back and look at those journals, I could, if they were here, I could be like, yeah, I got better. And that's how I justify, judge myself against my journaling. You said something incorrect. I have to correct you. You said that we're all sinners, but the people on Reddit and the people on Twitter who talk badly about me, they're perfect. So I just need um, to make sure that you get corrected on that. There are, uh, you know, people. you know, um, I, 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 I had this, I had this thing where I was, I explained this to my kids the other day, cause I'm a diehard history person. Okay. And we were talking about Jesus. We were talking about, you know, how, what a great philosophy words. If you just take Messiah out. Yeah. He for the, was the first person who got people to kind of be like, Hey, you don't have to treat people like shit. Okay. And I don't understand why we've lost that. Why social media suddenly said that you can now treat everybody like shit. Yeah. And then the moment you swing back on someone, they're like, oh, and I'm like, yeah. no one ever remembers when you're provoked. They only remember when you retaliate. That's and social thing. media, social media is lended to that. And that's why I went back to my earlier point of none of this shit exists to me until you'll sit down with me face to face, like a man or a woman. And then I'll have the respect for you at that point until then it doesn't exist. And I don't have respect. I love AMB, that viewpoint. I love that mentality. Jeff, yeah. is it too deep of a question to ask you? You're a historian. You're a psychedelic user. You are a, an author. You are a very, very distinguished man across the board. You grew up Catholic. Where is your religious standing at right now? You have two boys. What's what 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 what's where are you at with religion? Ah, oh, man, I love this question. 
Um, I'm glad that I'll you get do. A lot, I'll <laughs> get a lot of shit for it. Yeah. Because as much as I wish I could say I'm agnostic, I've done too many psychedelics to know otherwise. Yeah. Um, there's something over there on the other side. I yeah. don't know if it's what we created as religion, yeah. but I believe that we're all tied together. I believe there's some superior energy. I believe in all those things. Um, I just can't no longer identify with what would be quote unquote Christian because I don't like the way they pick their arguments and treat people like shit the majority of the time. Like, yeah. you know, like, yeah. um, but I think at its core, I believe in something on the other side, man. And like, I tell everybody when you do psychedelics at a macro dose and you go sit out in nature, you realize how fucking small you are and how irrelevant you are. And that to me just blew my mind. And I think that we're not meant to grasp these things. We're not meant to understand these things because we're not conceptualized to be able to do it. And I think that uh, people spend their whole lives paralyzed by something judging them that will never judge them. And they should have been too busy judging themselves against what standard they wanted to live and not a standard of something that we perhaps thinks uh, perhaps was the way or not the way. Um, but yeah, man, that's kind of where I sit with it. If you're religious, I love you and support you. If you're not religious, I love you and support you. I don't give a shit. I'm giving you my personal take on it. And that's the person who went from Catholic to the whole fuck God. I hated God because I had this talk the other day about <laughs> it's a touchy subject, but you know how we're in this current age of can we allow nine and 10 year olds to switch their sexes? And I brought up the point. <clears throat> I said, you know, when we were 10 years old, I, I would love to have the right to, to have died. If my mom had asked me what I wanted at 11 years old, I've been like, I want to die. I was in so much pain. I didn't see a fucking future once everything was taken from me. Why couldn't I pick that? Like other people pick their sex at 11. You know, it's very disgusting stuff. There are very deep stuff to talk about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, man, I, I've gone from both gamuts and then psychedelics kind of sold me. I'd be curious to see what you think on this too, mm -hmm. um, because you've done psychedelics. It kind of sold me that there's a superior power and I just have to kind of accept it. And I'm cool with that. And I'm just going forward being like, fuck it, man, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> so that's beautiful. That, that, that's absolutely beautiful. I think a lot of people are going to resonate with that. And, and I appreciate you sharing. The first thing I want to say is, I have mentioned on the podcast before that I'm, you know, not religious at all. I would say I'm a religious and apolitical. I don't, I, I, I don't have beliefs or thoughts on either of them because I don't want it around me. And I don't think that it's a positive energy in my life. That doesn't mean it cannot be in yours. If you are anything that I'm not, I love and I support you no matter what that being said, uh, 2018, I had moved across the country down here to Austin with my girlfriend at the time, just her and I, we knew nobody here. We just wanted a fresh start in a really cool city. We started making a little bit of coin and we were like, we don't want to live in Ohio. Like let's, let's, let's venture out. We did mushrooms one day, maybe two and a half, maybe three grams. At the time, I remember being very angry at religion because, you know, I grew up a certain way and I was looking around like, dude, there's no way that this almighty being exists in all of these, not bad, not terrible, but beyond evil things happen to people in the world every single day. And I, I, I hope people who are religious in nature hear me out on this part. Everyone has their rebuttal. And I will accept and listen to your rebuttal all day, any day of the week. And I welcome you to share that rebuttal with me. But I'm supposed to look up to something 
that is all powerful or maybe almighty when these things are going on in the world. I was angry. I used to care a lot. We did mushrooms. We ventured out in downtown Austin, which is, in my opinion, the most beautiful place to be. And I was sitting in nature and I was breathing. And with every breath I took, the trees illuminated and they expanded. The ground was breathing with me. It was all in sync with the patterns in my lungs. And mm-hmm. everything that my lungs were doing, they were expanding. I would look at my girlfriend who, you know, at the time, I just thought she was the holy grail of life. I just thought she was the greatest thing ever. And to this day, I mean, I I still view her that way. She's one of the greatest things ever walked this planet. And everything would just illuminate when I looked at her. The energetics were so spot on. Everything that's going around me is in complete sync and harmony with me. And everything that's going on around me is in complete sync and harmony with every, you know, with all the other beings. We were walking across this bridge, this this concrete and metal bridge. And this thing is completely synced up with the water that is underneath it, with the trees, with it. It was absolutely beautiful, with the wind, with everything. And at this moment, I looked at, at, at my girlfriend at the time, and I was like, in this liberating, in this so freeing. There's something else out there and we are nothing. And she was like, I'll never forget. We, I, I remember exactly where we were sitting. She was like, Oh my gosh, I was just having the same realization. We sat there quiet for, I don't know. It could have been five minutes. It felt like maybe it was 30, maybe it was an hour. This is quite a few, about five years ago. And we were thinking the exact same thing at the exact same time. And I was like, you know what? This isn't necessarily the universe. We didn't communicate it. This isn't by chance. This isn't by anything other than there's something that we're being led by. And I feel so at peace with that. And I have trust in it. And I don't worry about that. I don't worry about wars. I don't worry about politics. I don't worry about things that are outside of Justin Mahaley's control, what Justin Mahaley can directly impact. What I will say that left me with and has continued to build from there, Jeff, um, I have this desire to be financially well enough to be able to impact some of the things that I can gain control over in a positive manner. Um, Something that might affect me, you know what I'm saying? Something that might affect me is um, there are cities that don't have clean water. Well, shit, man, I would love to be able to donate a quarter of a million dollars to help that city have clean water. Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, actually I talked about this at Boom America. Um, My goal with the book and what I kind of hope to do is there's this camp once a year, the kids with the OI get to pay to petition to go, but it's not guaranteed. And uh, so it's my bone disease, osteogenesis perfectus. So these kids are like wheelchair bound, but this camp allows them to like do archery, boats, all this shit. They're going to be kids for a week, except they always don't get in. Yeah. <clears throat> so my goal is to buy property up in East Tennessee mm-hmm. and do a month where these parents, there'll be cabins, mm-hmm. like we'll put them like away. They get to go out, be able to date. Because a lot of the incomes, a lot of those families only one income family because the kid has to be cared for 24 7. 
Um, so that's kind of what I'm, I'm aiming to do, man. I get it. Like, you know, and that whole bigger picture, it's like, once you get to a certain point, you've, you've impacted yourself in a way, you know, whether, you, whether it's the recognition of how small we are in the universe or the recognition of how much more we have to do for the universe while we're here, once that starts kicking off, man, like that's how good things happen. And that's why I tell people like capitalism is a good thing. Yep. Those who, those who go out there and bust their ass can do some amazing ass shit. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like to go earn money and make money because I can make other people's lives. Like, dude, there's nothing more proud of me than knowing I have a business in my community that supplies 2000 members plus and takes care of quite a few people very well financially. Like that's fucking bomb ass shit. And everyone should aspire you know, if like the world's like, I always told my, my sons, if the world's a little bit of a crooked picture, I'm trying to just make it a little bit more straight before I leave. I'm not trying to make it totally straight. And I think if all of us kind of did that, the world would be a better place because we could all attack it differently. Isn't it powerful, Jeff, to be able to sit here and we're just chatting on a podcast to okay. friends from social media. And, yep. you know, if, if you're really breaking down the things that we value and the, the success traits that you and I both believe in, Jeff, there's an element of us that, you know, we've made it and that's pretty cool. And I think having that and still being so hungry for more, I'm hungrier than ever for the next step. Yeah, really I never, cool. for, I never forgot or never will forget what it was like not to believe in myself mm-hmm. because that reminds me of why I've just got to keep going. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like that feeling. And I, rem- I remember that every day, yeah. like, ah, you know, okay. Got to keep going. Yeah. And you know, um, for anyone who's like listening to this, like this was a very wide open conversation mm-hmm. and I encourage people to have more of them. Mm-hmm. I think you'll end up liking your friends more. Mm-hmm. I think you'll like your family more. Now, does that mean that you can go out there and have all these conversations all the time with everybody? No, but man, these conversations, like I'll leave today. Mm-hmm. That'll be a better day for me. You know? Yeah. Um, I got, I, 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 I've got, I've gotten better from chatting with you. I have one more question for you no, before we end I here, but I've gotten so Ask much more. better from chatting. <laughs> the last thing I want to chat about, you just brought up friends, your friends. Oh. You seem to be surrounded by some really good people. You've placed, you know, good people in your life. I know from experience, the only way you get there is if there's a lot of heartbreak that has to be involved. I believe that you're a man that's very in tuned with empathy. And I believe that you um, uh, share a lot of that and have a lot of that. I think you probably give people a lot of chances. I know for a fact that you've been screwed over by some people that you really loved and that it didn't feel good. No. How do you bounce back? Not let the world turn cold on you or you turn cold on it. Continue to keep pushing forward in these times where you're like, no way. I did everything for you. And this is how I get dumped in the end. And now you're surrounded by good people. What do you do to become surrounded by the folks you're supposed to be surrounded by that have the same level of love for you as you do for them? Same level of courage, the same vision and constantly marching forward. How do you set yourself in that position? Oh, what a, what a way to, what a way to end it. You know, um, a lot of trial and error. Um, and a lot of that was probably me finding out who I was. And I think that that's what people, that's where, you know, the core of our conversation comes from. If you're not taking that journey to find out who you are, then who the fuck do you know you're supposed to surround yourself with to help you get to where you're trying to go to? Yep. Um, you know, 
I've been hurt. I've had all that stuff. People I poured into helping build, make money, whatever, and everything in between. And I can tell you, man, like human nature, that shit's just going to hurt. Like there's gonna be nothing that gets past that. There's going to be those moments where you're brushing your teeth and you start breaking the toothbrush because yep. it just crosses your mind. Mm-hmm. But man, I just have to remind myself, Jay, dude, that, that like I've got so much more ahead of me. Mm-hmm. So many more people who need the opportunities that I can give them. So many more people who might be willing to hear what I have to say, who might be done. Like, dude, one of the biggest things I take pride in is I will tell men that I work with or even men I don't if they're fucking up. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, man, thanks for saying that. I was like, you know, dude, I wish a guy had pulled me aside and told me, don't do that shit. Yep. I wish one man had had the ball somewhere along the way to be like, you shouldn't do that. That's not really living. Yep. You should start thinking this way. And I've made that my promise. And by kind of focusing on making promises to myself that I keep in terms of really helping those who want it and trusting that every day I wake up, like you said, I did shrooms. I realized how insignificant it was. At that point, I said, you know what? I'm going to wake up every day and whatever the universe is going to walk me the way it wants to walk me. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've just kind of done that. And I think life, every day you get up is two forks in the road and you make a choice. And I make the choice to live my life for me now. And I think as long as you make the choice to live your life for you, you get very congruent. The energy starts pulling you that way. The universe starts rewarding you that way. And then slowly you notice the universe makes things happen that way for you. But you've got to put forth the same energy, man. It's like people want to be a millionaire and pissed they don't get it in a month off of like NTF or NFTs or whatever the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> this takes a lot of time to really work at. Like, dude, I mean, it wasn't until five years in Iron House that I actually like took like a $5,000 check yep. and took my family on a trip. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. people think home ownership. I got a private jet. I'm this and that. I'm like, no, man. I've just lived so far below my means that when now I can live above my means because I paid my dues. And I think when you're looking to get better with friends and you're looking to improve your life and find those people, you got to pay your dues. And that means kind of sifting through a dump occasionally and finding out what piles of shit need to be discarded and what, what you know, stuff you need to take into the store and clean up and polish off and, and put right next to you and, and go do the work you need to do. Jeff, you're a phenomenal podcast guest. This is even better than I anticipated it being. And I knew that it was going to be extremely good. Um, I got told you when I messaged you on Instagram this morning, you're someone that I've always looked up to. Your mentality is something that way more people uh, would benefit from if they simply adapted it and brought it into their lives. I know you're an extremely busy man. You're, you've built some great success for yourself. I know that your boys motivate you and I just think it's 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 beautiful to see the way that you've taken what was diagnosed to you, what happened to you, and you didn't turn victim. You turned it into an odd that you just defied. So, Jeff Black, thank you so much for coming on the Grow It Eye podcast. Where can people find you on Instagram? And also, what will your book be titled, and when is it dropping? Oh, man. Um, my book is titled... Brittle to Unbreakable, How a Zero Options Mindset uh, and how how trauma can fuel a zero options mindset. Mm -hmm. So I took the aim of making trauma something positive, which is dark subject (laughs) because everybody's like, my trauma, my trauma. I was like, fuck that. My trauma did me good. Yep. And I want to talk about it. You know what I mean? Because there's a group of us that can actually harness that and go to the other one. Um, I'm on Instagram at Jeff Unbreakable Black. Uh, and you can find me on YouTube, uh, Relentless Forever. I do a lot of my day in life stuff. I've got 
video from where we last did with my clients. And I've got some stuff going up for Masters Nationals where six months ago, a spine surgeon uh, told me I wouldn't walk across that stage, hip surgeon, but I'm going to go see them in August, Justin, and bring my medals and bring my pictures and give them autographs. So that way they can know that uh, I once again uh, defied every fucking thing that they said they would do. And it made my heart little ha- made my little heart happy to do it. I absolutely love that, Jeff. Good luck. I know your competition is fastly approaching. You're going to absolutely kill it. And uh, we will see you on Grow and I again. Make sure to share us. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Subscribe on YouTube. I'll see you guys next time. Peace. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.